Thanks for joining us for another great message from Influences Church Australia. We hope it inspires you, encourages you, blesses you and brings you joy. For more information about our church, go online to influences.church. And now for our message. Let's get into it today. Um, it's, uh, let's start with a, a scripture, a Christmas verse, huh? Let's do that. Uh, Isaiah 9 verse 6. This is in the Amplified Version. It says, for us, a child is born. To us, a son is given. So this is speaking about Jesus. And the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Prince of Peace. I wanna talk to you this morning around the subject, the pursuit of peace. The pursuit of peace. Uh, Two weeks until Christmas Day. Can you believe that? That's amazing. This year has just flown by. It's two weeks till Christmas. And, um, you know, they, they tell us that this, this season is a time of joy and, and peace. Um, but, you know, for me, this can be one of the most hectic seasons of the whole year. I'm running around to different events. I'm sure like you are as well, you know, end of year celebrations and Christmas parties. We're organising presents. We're getting the family together. There's so much to do and let alone just on top of our normal busy lives of work and kids and all those sorts of things. And, you know, we sing carols at this time of year, like Silent Night, or it says like sleep in heavenly peace. I'm like, peace? Where's this peace we're talking about, right? It just seems to elude us at this time of year and at, at all throughout the year at different times. And I wonder, what do you think about when you hear the word peace? What do you envision when you hear peace? You know, maybe for you, peace is, you know, just getting away from the stress and the busyness of life. Maybe it's having a holiday. That's why we love holidays so much because it's an opportunity to get some peace. Uh, maybe, you know, for you, peace is just being at home by yourself. I've got time to have some, you know, peace and rest to myself. Maybe for you, peace is, you know, <laughs> did I express that too uh, authentically? I don't know. Um, <laughs> but, you know, maybe for you, peace is just not having an argument, you know, with your spouse. Maybe it's getting along well with your family, being in harmony with the people at your work. You know, maybe peace for you is sitting on a beach somewhere, you know, listening to the ocean. You know, what do you picture when you think of peace? You know, for a lot of people, with the way the world is today, that's probably the best type of peace that you could hope for. You get a little bit of time to yourself where you can just quiet yourself and relax. And, and if you can find that type of peace, fantastic. You know, that's great to have those moments. It's great to clear your head, refresh, you know, just get some downtime, you know. That's fantastic. But the only thing is that, that often it's dependent upon what's happening around us. Like you can really only find that peace if everything else is calm. And the other problem is that it's often short-lived. You know, it's for a moment and then you go back to the hecticness of our life and the challenges of, of life and the difficulties that we deal with. It's, you know, if you're a young parent, you'll, you'll know what it is. You know, if you've got a baby... You, all you want is find some peace, find some rest. You put that baby down, you hope that they sleep so you can get a 30-minute nap and then five minutes later they're, they're crying again, you know, and it's like it's short-lived, this peace that we can find. You know, in my home, peace, peace is defined by, you know, if my son Liam isn't playing his PlayStation for five minutes and yelling at the TV telling him how to win. But, uh, <laughs> but what if there was a, a better peace? What if there was a a peace that wasn't 
dependent on circumstance that, that, that could last through all seasons. Well, I want to encourage you today that there is. There's a peace that can be found in Jesus Christ. And I want to look at a verse today in John 14, verse 27. And uh, this verse, uh, Pastor Sarah, uh, online campus pastor, shout out to everyone watching online today. Great to have you with us. Uh, she shared this verse. She was leading us out of worship last Sunday night. To encourage you, if you don't come Sunday nights, you've got to be here, 6 p.m. in the room. Pastor Josh is preaching water baptisms tonight. It's going to be awesome. And uh, she shared this verse with us. And, and as she was sharing it, I, it really, really spoke to me. And I just felt the Holy Spirit say, you know, I, I just want you to just go a little bit deeper into this. And so I pray this encourages you today. I feel this is a prophetic verse that God is speaking over us. And, but just before I read the verse, let me set the scene for you a little bit to give you a bit of context. So our verse is in John 14, but in, it really starts in John 13. So in John 13, Jesus is with his disciples and he's sitting down and he's having a, a conversation with them. And in that conversation, he's, he understands that his hour has now come. He understands that he's about to leave the world and leave his disciples. And so he's explaining this to the disciples and as he's telling them, you know, what's about to happen, that he's about to go away and that they can't come with him, they, they, they start to get quite upset about this, a bit distraught. They're actually quite fearful because they're like, well, what does this mean for us? Like, we don't know. We've never done ministry without you, Jesus. You've always been there right here with us. Like if you go, like how are we gonna be able to do what you've asked us to do? How are we gonna carry this on? This is like too big a task. How are we gonna do this? And they even asked Jesus, can we, can we go with you? And Jesus says, one day you can, but not right now. And so Jesus sees that they're stressing, they're, they're, they're fearful. And so he then proceeds to tell them in this conversation, some of the things that he is going to give them, to leave with them that will bring them comfort and bring them strength so that they realise that He's equipped them with what they need. And one of the particular things that He shares with them is found in this verse, John 14, verse 27. And the great thing is that they're not only for those disciples, they're also for you and I. And this is what He says, John 14, 27. He says, peace I leave with you. My perfect peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Do not let your heart be troubled, nor let it be afraid. Let my perfect peace calm you in every circumstance and give you courage and strength for every challenge. Isn't that an awesome promise? I want you to notice something really important, something that Jesus says in this. He says, peace I leave with you, my perfect peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. The New Living Translation, it puts it this way. I'm leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give. Jesus is saying that the peace you can find in me, you can't find anywhere else. You can try to find it in all sorts of things and, 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 and you maybe try to find it in relationships Maybe you tried to find it in some sort of like, you no know, health regime. Maybe you tried to find it in a holiday. Maybe you tried to find it in, in, in a substance. Maybe you tried to find it in some other practice or religion. But Jesus is saying, you can try all those things, but you'll never find it. 
Because this piece, this particular piece, this is my piece. It's unique to me, but I give it to you. It's my special, divine, supernatural piece that only Jesus offers. So suppose the question would be then, okay, what's, what's different about the peace that Jesus gives as opposed to the peace that the world offers? What's different about the peace that Jesus gives? Well, the first difference between the peace that Jesus gives compared to the peace the world offers is that the peace Jesus gives isn't limited by life circumstances. You know, we said it before that many people will define peace by there being no fighting or no turmoil or, you know, no craziness going on around them. That, that, because as long as those things exist, then peace does not exist. That they wipe out the peace in our life because peace can only be found in that quiet place where everything is calm. But what's amazing about the peace of Jesus is that it isn't limited like that. Look again at what he says, John 14, 27. In the second part of that verse, he says, let my peace calm you in every situation, in every circumstance, and give you courage and strength for every challenge. He doesn't just say, let my peace calm you in good circumstances or in only certain situations or when there's no challenge. No, he says, my peace is with you in every circumstance and in every challenge. That means it doesn't matter what is going on around you, you can still have and experience the peace of God. <laughs> it's not affected by what's going on around us. You know, all, all hell can be breaking loose around us and we can still be experiencing the peace of God. So let me, let me show you this in Scripture. There's a moment in Matthew chapter 8 Jesus has been ministering to a large group of people and He's healing people and delivering people who have been tormented and, and, uh, and it's amazing. And at the end of that ministry time, He turns to His disciples and He says, I feel the Holy Spirit leading us. We need to go to the other side of the lake, which is the Sea of Galilee. He says, I want you to get on a boat with me. Come on, we're gonna go travel over there. So they get on a boat and they start traveling across the lake. As they get a little bit into their journey, the Bible says that suddenly a furious storm comes up on the lake. It says that it's so furious that it starts, the wind starts howling and the waves start beating and bashing against the boat. So it's all over the place. And the disciples, they start freaking out and they believe they're going to drown. Now, you know, it's a pretty furious storm when you have uh, some experienced fishermen believing that they're going to die. Right? I was saying to the first service, that's like being on an air, airplane and you get some turbulence and what do you do for comfort? You look at the air crew, if they're all cool, you're cool, but the air crew's freaking out, right? So you're like, I, I better start praying, right? That's the situation they're in. They think they're going to drown, right? They, they're completely freaking out. They're like, you know, this is the end of our life. The other thing that's interesting about this, this journey across the lake is that up until this time, Jesus' ministry had been in the, in the north and western side of the Sea of Galilee. What's significant about that is that's where all the Jews lived. So Jesus' ministry had basically been only to the Jews at this point. 
And then the Holy Spirit says, we need to go to the other side of the lake. And what's on the other side of the lake is the, the pagan region of Decapolis where the Gentiles lived. So this is a transition from Jesus ministering to the Jews to being led to now I've got to take my ministry, my gospel of peace to the Gentiles. And it's interesting that in that transition, he comes up against a life-threatening storm. It says to me that maybe this storm wasn't just a natural occurrence. Maybe there were some demonic forces at work trying to scare him or stop him from being able to take the message to the rest of the world. Because if he didn't make that journey, we would read the story and we would think, oh, it's only for God's special people. But now we know that no, this gospel of peace is for everybody. In fact, even when he put his foot on, that, on the land in that new territory, that was when we hear the story of the demonic man who comes up to him who's being possessed by lesions. So he's facing all this opposition. And I tell you this to say, this is not some ordinary storm. This is the biggest storm that you could possibly face. And maybe some of you are feeling like you're in a big storm like that right now too. Maybe you're up against the biggest storm that you've ever been in. So here's the disciples. They're, they're, they're freaking out. They think they're going to drown. But interestingly enough, while they think they're going to drown, what is Jesus doing? He's sleeping. The Bible says that he is fast asleep in the middle of the boat with his head on a pillow, it says. Fast asleep. So on one hand, you've got the disciples freaking out, believing they're going to drown. And on the other hand, you've got Jesus who couldn't be any more peace and calm, fast asleep. Like you can't have two more polar opposite reactions and yet they're in the exact same situation. One thinks they're going to die. The other's like, this is, I'm just in heaven. This is amazing. So how is that possible? How is it possible that Jesus could be experiencing such peace in the middle of such a life-threatening situation? Because I don't, I don't know about you, but I wanna have that type of peace. I wanna walk in that type of peace. I wanna be in the type of peace that, that no matter what comes against me, I still feel the peace of God. I'm not freaking out. I'm not fearful. I'm not anxious. I'm not stressed, but I'm, I'm calm. I'm at, I'm at peace. And you know what? I believe that's what the peace of God should enable us to do. It says it's a peace in every circumstance, in every situation. And yet so often, so often I still find myself at times experiencing days, weeks, even seasons where I'm not at peace. Does anyone relate to that? And it's like, I don't understand Jesus, you said you give us your supernatural divine peace. The peace that carries us through every situation, yet I don't always feel peaceful. Like, why is that? Why is that the case? It doesn't, I'm trying to work this out. Well, I looked at Jesus and I thought, well, how, how is it that he has peace in this situation? 
And I believe it comes down to trust. To trust. The reason Jesus was able to find peace in every situation, even ones that threatened his life, is because he implicitly trusted in two things. The first thing he trusted in was the Father's love for him. He trusted in the Father's love. Can I encourage you, church, the singers, the singlest, singers? Hey, I feel the Holy Spirit. Come on now. The singer, sing, my goodness. Just work it out, all right? The greatest revelation. Let's go there. The greatest revelation you can ever receive is one of knowing how much God loves you. Is knowing God loves you. Psalm 103 verse 11 says, For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is His love for those who fear Him. It's saying that His love is it's beyond measure. It's incomprehensible. It, it's beyond uh, uh, words. It's, it's unable to be, calculate His love. So great is His love for us. Paul, the writer of Ephesians, he says in Ephesians 3, 18 to 19, he says, and may you be able to feel and understand as all God's children should, how long, how wide, how deep and how high His love really is. And to experience this love for yourselves. Though it is so great, you will never see the end of it or fully know or understand it. The Father's love towards us, it's so immense that, it, that even if you think you've got a grasp on it, you're not even close to the extent of it. Isaiah 54 verse 10, I love this. It says, For the mountains may move and the hills disappear, but even then my faithful love for you will remain. It says, Even things that you thought would never move, Move, but guess what? My love never will. It will remain for you at all times. Like, I, I want you to think for a moment. Think about how your love for your family, for your spouse, for those close to you, compels you to care for them. Think about how your love for your, for your sons, or your daughters, those in your family, how it compels you to wanna protect them, to care for them, to provide for them, to be there for them. And then think about how your love and my love isn't perfect. Our love is flawed. Our love can be conditional at times. It can be dependent on a range of things because our love isn't perfect and yet we are still compelled by it to, to care for those around us, to be there for them. We think about them. We want the best for them. So now imagine if your love was perfect like God's is. His love is perfect. And His love is unconditional. That means it's at its maximum every second of every day and it doesn't change no matter what you do. So you imagine how much it compels Him to want the best for you, to want to care for you, provide for you, to protect you, to be there for you. You see, Jesus trusted that the Father loved Him too much to leave Him facing that storm alone. He trusted that His love for Him meant that He would take care of Him that He wouldn't abandon him in his time of need. He trusted the love for him meant that it would, even if he couldn't see him, he trusted that he was working out all good for him. And it was that trust in his love for him that enabled him to find peace 
even in the most challenging of circumstances because He knew if He loves me that much, I'm never going to be alone. But there was a second thing, a second thing that Jesus trusted in that enabled Him to remain in peace. And I believe that second thing was that He also trusted in the Father's power. He trusted in the Father's love, but He also trusted in the Father's power. Jesus trusted in the understanding that no matter how big and strong this opposition is against me, that my heavenly Father is still bigger and still stronger. He trusted in the understanding that His heavenly Father has authority over all things. And no matter how out of control things look on the outside, He's still in control. He still is all-powerful, all-wonderful. He's still the God who can do over and above anything you could ask, think, or imagine. He's the God who breathed life into existence, who with a word spoke light and there was light. He's the God who's unlimited, who cannot be held back, who, to which nothing is impossible. Even if it seems in the natural that it will never happen, He still has the power to make it happen. I believe Jesus was able to find peace in the midst of that life-threatening storm because He trusted in the Father's love and power. You see, the supernatural peace Jesus gives us, like many of the blessings we have access to as followers of Jesus, it flows into our life when we make the same decision to love and, sorry, to trust and put our faith in our Heavenly Father. It's there for us. That, 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 that peace is there for us, but we have to make a decision. Will I put my trust in His love and His power? See, look again at what Jesus encourages us in John 14, 27. He says, peace I leave with you, my perfect peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Do not let your heart be troubled, nor let it be afraid. Do not let, you know what that says? It says we have a choice. You can either let your heart be troubled or you can choose to not let your heart be troubled. He says, don't let your heart be troubled. The choice is yours. In the midst of what you're facing, will you let your heart be troubled? See, the, see Jesus he could have let his heart be troubled like the disciples did. But he didn't. He chose instead, you know what? I trust in the Father's love and power. And because he made that decision, he found peace. You see, I, I believe the reason why we don't experience peace every day, even though we have access to it, is because we don't often choose to do this. Instead, we choose to see what's coming against us, think, oh, no, that's too big. That's gonna overcome me. Whereas Jesus says, hey, the peace is right there. Just make a decision each day. God, I trust in your love and I trust in your power. In fact, I love what Paul writes in Romans 15, 13. He says this exact thing. He says, I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in Him. Because you trust in Him. He's saying that you experience joy and peace as a result of trusting in God. So, so here's what you need to do. 
Whenever you feel that life is getting on top of you, whenever you feel there's a storm of opposition, whatever it might be, that's robbing you of your peace. Whenever you feel peace eluding you, here's what you need to do. You just need to stop. You need to sit down. Close your eyes. Take a deep breath. And then say, God, I thank you that you love me. I thank you that you love me unconditionally. I thank you that your love compels you to never leave me nor forsake me. And I thank you for your power. I thank you your power is greater than what is against me. I thank you that no weapon formed against me can prosper because you are by my side. And so I trust in your love and I trust in your power. And then you're gonna do one more thing. Then you're gonna take whatever it is that's coming against you, that's robbing you of your peace and you're gonna give it over to God. And you're gonna do that because Philippians 4, 6 to 7 says this. It says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank Him for all He has done. Then you experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. I love that. Do that and you will find peace in your heart and in your mind. How much unrest is in people's minds in our world? There's so much unrest in people's minds. So much stress, so much anxiety, so many questions, so, so much challenges in people's minds. And, and Jesus says, my peace, that peace you can only find in me. It's so amazing. It's so wonderful. It can give you peace in your heart and your mind. Who wouldn't want that peace? Who wouldn't want to be in that peace every day? And we have access to it every day by making decision. God, I, I trust in you. I trust in your love. I trust in your power. And I give it over to you. Perhaps the keys can join me. So the difference between the peace the world offers and the peace Jesus gives is that the peace Jesus gives isn't limited by life circumstances. But there's another difference between the peace the world offers and the peace Jesus gives. And the second difference is that the peace Jesus gives is the only peace that can reconcile us to God. You see, before we come to know Christ, we are actually all at war with God. We're at war with God. Now, I know that sounds extreme, but that's what the Bible tells us. It tells us in Colossians 1 verse 21, it says, at one time you were far away from God and were His enemies because of the evil things you didn't thought. It's saying because of our sin, because of our sinful nature that all of us are born with, including myself, that before we know Christ, we are born hostile, in opposition, at war with God. And, and, the, and the, the thing is that there's nothing we can do about it. There's nothing in our own strength that we can do to reconcile ourselves to God. We, we can try and be a good person. We can try and do good deeds. We can, we can try all sorts of remedies and, and step programs, but none of us, we can do nothing because we're still sin. And that sin keeps creating that chasm between us and God. It keeps us at war with God. In fact, Romans 6 verse 23 
says, for the wages of sin, in other words, the penalty of our sin is death. That word death in this context, it means total separation from God and all that is good for all of eternity. We're at war with God. We're enemies of God because of our sin. And there was nothing we can do. But I'm so thankful for God because of His unconditional love for us. He took it upon Himself to do something about it. And He did the one thing He could only, the one thing that only He could do. He chose to send His one and only Son, Jesus Christ, to earth to be born in human likeness to a virgin named Mary in a little town called Bethlehem where he'd grow up the son of a carpenter. At the age of 30, he'd start his public ministry, sharing the good news, the gospel of peace. At the age of 33, just as he had planned, he willingly laid down his life through crucifixion. Upon that cross, the Bible says that he took upon himself all the sins of the world, all of my sins, all of your sins, past, present and future. And in His death, He atoned for our sins. He, he paid the penalty that we should have paid. He paid it on our behalf. And then three days later, He was resurrected back to life, showing that He'd obtained victory over sin and death. So that now all that was left for us to have peace with God, for the war to be removed, for us to be reconciled to our Heavenly Father was to simply choose to put our faith in Jesus, believing in what He did for us. Romans 5 verse 1 says, Therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ our Lord has done for us. We all come into this world at war with God. But the gospel of peace says that through Jesus Christ, that war can be brought to an end and we can be reconciled to God. And God promises that when we make that decision to put our faith in Jesus, He promises from then on, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. I'll be with you always. I'll be there right by your side. You will have peace with me. He adopts you into His family. He says, you're my son. You're my daughter. I wanna live with you forever. Friend, the deepest peace that you can ever hope to experience this Christmas is found in Jesus Christ. It's not found in anything else. It's not found in anything the world can offer you. It's not found in any other practice or even any other religion. The only peace, the only true peace you can experience, the deepest peace there is, is only found in Jesus Christ. And if you wanna experience that peace today, if you wanna experience the peace that goes beyond understanding that secures your eternal life with Him, that reconciles you to God, then the first step is this, is just to open up your heart and make a decision to put your faith in Jesus. I pray this sermon has blessed you, encouraged you and inspired you. You know, we may never have met, I may not know you, but God knows you. And I'll tell you today, God loves you. That even before you knew about Him, He loved you. And He has a plan and a purpose for your life. You know, so many of us do life on our own, trying to lead our life in a way that finds answers and finds the peace and finds the joy we're looking for, but we come up short. But God knew 
that you needed rescuing, that you needed saving, that you needed His love. So He sent His Son Jesus to come and pay the price for our mistakes. He lived a perfect life, but knowing we couldn't, He said, I will take their place. So He died and rose again so that His death could pay the penalty for my mistakes and my past and His life could make a way so that I could have life. I believe that when you believe in what Jesus did and when you invite Him to be Lord of your life, you can experience forgiveness, peace, hope, joy, purpose and life like you've never known before. It's not about what we've done or who we're not. It's about that we have a God who's good, who can turn things for good and loves you. He's a father, he's a friend, and you can invite him into your life today by simply saying this prayer after me. I'm gonna say this prayer and wherever you are, wherever you're watching around the world, pray this prayer with me. Maybe you once knew God and you walked away. You know what, maybe he's getting your attention today to say, come back into relationship with me. Maybe you've known religion, but never a real genuine relationship with God. Why don't you say this prayer too? And I believe this can be the beginning of a great new day. Let's pray. Dear God, thank you for loving me and giving your life for me. I pray you forgive me for my past and you walk with me into my tomorrow. Let me know your grace, your forgiveness, your peace, your purpose, your joy and your hope into my life. I ask you to lead me and guide me from this day forward. Be Lord of who I am in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm so glad you prayed that prayer today. I believe that as you did, the peace, the grace, and the love of God comes into your life. You know what? The past is real, but it doesn't have to dictate your future. Let the love, the grace, and the Word of God go with you from this day forward. And I believe the best days are ahead for you. If you prayed this prayer or you want to know more, maybe you're on the journey, why don't you flick us an email so we can send you some material about following Jesus. We can maybe connect you with a local church near you that you can do life with, get good people around you, and we would love to pray with you. I'm so glad you prayed that prayer. I'm so glad you're on the journey of following Jesus. I'm so glad you listened today. God bless.